morning. My name is David G. Toussaint from www.troubledfinances.com. I have a book available called Troubled Finances, There's Hope, available on that website. Last week, we talked about Ken and his hot muscle car. He was 20 years old and just aching to purchase a hot muscle car, not unusual for a guy or gal his age, but he truly could not afford it. The dealer could not finance it because his income did not fit their, fit their criteria. In other words, he could not afford it per their standards. So he went to his parents and asked them to co-sign. They wisely refused, per guidance from the Bible. You say, uh, wait, from the Bible? What could that have to do with finances for today? Actually, a lot, which we can discuss later. But the verse in the Bible applicable is Proverbs 12 excuse me, Proverbs 17, 18, which says, A man lacking in sense pledges or obligates himself and becomes surety, in other words, security for another. In other words, the Bible says not to cosign. Well, you might say, why? This happens all the time in this country and in other places as well. It's common, so what's the problem? The problem is, according to what one banker, excuse me, what several bankers have told me, is that 60% of those that cosign have to pay. You see, the bank has fine-tuned who they give credit to. They do not want to have to repossess anything. It's always a problem on various fronts when they are required to repossess an item. Therefore, unless someone has good credit, the bank is not going to give a loan. Why should they create a problem for themselves by loaning to someone unqualified by their standards to receive a loan? So, when you and I co-sign... We are circumventing the establishment's judgment of this person. The banks have stated that this is not a creditworthy person, and they know. But we're saying, well, no, I know them well enough, so they will not do this, especially to me. Wrong. They will, and they do, 60% or more of the time. Anyway, when Ken's parents chose not to co-sign, the dealer went to four banks and finally found one that, with an extra insurance premium, would take this loan. So, Ken ended up paying an extra $1,000 for default insurance covering the bank to get the car. And guess what? After six months, he missed one payment. And then, after three or four months more, he missed another payment and ended up turning the car back to the bank. They then sold it at the wholesale auction for a much lesser price and came after him for the difference. Plus, adding in late fees, attorney fees, court costs, all totaling around $16,000, which is more than he paid for the car in the first place. Not about to pay for a car he no longer owned, he declared bankruptcy, which ruined his credit for close to 10 years. It felt good at the time, but there was a big penalty afterwards. What a mess. His coach, however, now reports he has matured and is now credit worthy, so things have turned out for him good. But what if his parents had co-signed? Can you imagine the arguments and the hard feelings that would have occurred? Amazing. Okay, ready for another story? Uh, our next lesson in the book, Troubled Finances, There's Hope, is a story about Cindy and the no-fee credit card. Let's look at her situation. It's amazing the, trouble, the, the things that people get into, but that's what this book is all about and how to, how to get out of them uh, properly, and especially how to get out of them God's way. So Cindy is another example of a person needing to run to her creditors. She, the good news is she called a friend for advice about how to handle her credit card, a card she had signed up for because it stated there were no fees. 
Now, this is after the fact, so she should have called before, but anyway, she did call after the fact. So what happened was, after making a purchase with this new credit card, she noticed that there was a $3.90 charge which had been added to her statement. She said to herself, wait a minute, they said there were no extra charges, so I'm not going to pay this extra $3.90, that's just not right. But she didn't call the credit card people to work out this issue. She made the mistake of paying only for the purchase amount and ignoring the small added charge. She ignored this for a full 12 months, a whole year. What do you suppose happened? <clears throat> the small charge added didn't go away simply because she thought she shouldn't have to pay for it. Now Cindy was in a panic. She had a wicked combination of late fees and excessively high interest because credit card companies bump up the interest rate when payments are late and then charge you interest on the interest. Her small charge, her added, the small added charge had grown to $989. Isn't that amazing? So she was referred to a company that assists people with credit card difficulties, and they negotiated the $989 down to half that amount, but she still had to pay nearly $500 for her $3.90 charge. What's our action step? Our action step is that when confronted with a mistake, a discrepancy, or anything else that could look like a failure to fully maintain our part of the agreement, we should always run to our creditors, not away from them. Cindy should have called the credit card's customer's service number and settled the question of whether the additional charge was justified. Problems do not resolve themselves by neglect. It's naive to assume that we are right when we disagree with authorities. And creditors become our authorities when we obligate ourselves to their terms. Of course, authorities can and do make mistakes, but wisdom, that is God's plan, compels us to find resolution by running toward the problems or conflicts rather than away from them. Keeping an attitude of respect also promotes a favorable income. You don't want to call them and, and be all worked up and, and say bad words and all this stuff. You want to be nice and cordial and work with them pleasantly. The good news is, is that Cindy did call someone for advice and she was able to have the balance reduced by half. Here's the question. Do you know someone else who has ignored their bills and not just opened the envelopes? I actually do, and we'll talk about that person later on in the book. But at any rate, uh, isn't that amazing how we, that is the uh, modus operandum of some people to do that? So what does that say about such a person? Here's another one. Cindy inadvertently borrowed money. What scripture applies here? Let's try Proverbs 22.7, which says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, when we borrow money, we become a servant in that respect. So Cindy was a servant because if she didn't pay that $989, well, what happened? It would continue to grow, right? It could eventually become $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. And so then she would end up having to pay a big portion of that to get out from under that thing and because her credit would be ruined in the process, right? Uh, she couldn't get a loan or anything because she had this 10000 or whatever dollar outstanding balance from this credit card. So she does become, or we do become, the servant to the lender. 
Anyway, I'm David G. Toussaint. This is www.troubledfinances.com. Uh, the book is available, which has all these stories in it. I have the website and for, for a huge, very reasonable cost of $13.95 and our Kindle at $3.69. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. <music>